You've found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. We're here to help you find usability and fun. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. We're getting stupid and the podcast has barely started. Happy Tuesday, everybody. We are glad to have you back with us. There's a lot going on. We did that thing where we talked for the last hour about everything going on, and now we're exhausted. We're just now starting the podcast. It's been uh, to uh, 90 minutes. Yeah, there you go. One of the things that's happening is it's coming up this week. We have two big things coming this week, and I want to let you guys know them ahead of time. The first thing is this Thursday, two days from now, our first big road trip piece with the cars of the past is dropping on our original YouTube channel, Everyday Driver. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes. This is the combined two episodes that were part of season 10 plus what happened after we got to Seattle. It's the full thing. You, you have not seen all of it yet. There's so, stuff at the end. There's lots of stuff. Yeah. It, it, I'm really excited about this piece and I'm giving you guys the heads up because this is the kind of piece that is not going to get random clicks on YouTube. It's just not. Okay, It's, it's going to be a thumbnail of our two cars and that's not a Lamborghini, and we don't get a million. There's no Lamborghinis. Did any of them no. melt down? Yeah, exactly. Catch fire? No, because we didn't buy a Lamborghini and put a body kit on it. Oh. So it's not gonna. We didn't rebuild anything. I'll so do that next time. I'm telling you this because we need you guys to mobilize on this and share it with people you think would like it. Because I'm in it and I made it, and I realize it makes me biased. But I think it's an interesting road trip piece. I think there's good conversation that happens because there's a challenge here in driving these old cars, thirty and forty years old cars. 3,000 miles. I would describe it as less of a challenge and more of a pucker. <laughs> it is. It is a pucker factor driving old cars. I'm so excited. Intentionally, almost 3,000 miles. Mm-hmm. For the first trip, we've got four more. Well, well three four more. total. Yeah. Three yeah, more yeah. coming. And uh, that's going to be interesting. But the cars are sorted right now. Yeah, we're news, excited. But, well, that's uh, the thing. We're leaving for trip two while trip one comes out on YouTube. Yeah, exactly. So we're very excited for you guys to see it. I, honestly, this is the most excited I've been about a piece in a long, long time for YouTube. So I, I hope you guys will watch it. I hope you will share it. That'll all happen on Thursday. We'll keep you informed on that. Of course, there will be another podcast on Friday. We're recording early for Friday because we will be driving because we're going to Austin for trip two, and we'll be at Radwood this Saturday. Yeah, that's right. So trip two includes Radwood at Circuit of the Americas in Austin, February 26th, 2022. So we will be there walking around. Our cars will be on display, and we look forward to seeing you there. If you're in Texas and you can make it down, we would love to see you there. We're just going to be walking around and making commentary on cars, and then we'll be uh, in that area for just a little bit, and then actually driving back home as well. So that is trip number two. Also, bad news, everyone. The Felicity Ace, as of this podcast, is still adrift in the Atlantic Ocean, Mm -hmm. full of thousands of beautiful cars. The last I read is, is, quote, there is nothing left to burn. That's not good. Which suggests that there's not a car you're salvaging and going, well, it's a little smoky, but it's fine. There is nothing left to burn. I've been reading various reports about the dollar value of everything involved. Mm -hmm. And it was at almost $300 million just for the cars, but that doesn't include the residual sell value later on. Well, and the so, ship itself. And the ship itself. <laughs> so it's a lot. A lot of money. But Nevertheless, still, drown the Taos. I, I'm, I'm staying with the hashtag, drown the Taos. Yeah, well. see, that still yeah. exists. Mm-hmm. That's still in existence. It should be. We now have an auto parts partnership with carparts.com. CarParts.com is the smarter way to shop for auto parts. Their fast, mobile-friendly experience makes it easy to shop for the parts you need when you need them. Just enter the year, make, and model of your vehicle, start shopping, and start saving. It really is that simple. 
CarParts.com stocks their own inventory, cutting out the middleman and passing the savings on to you, and they're offering even more savings for our audience. Whether you've been in a collision, working on your project car, or need to catch up on maintenance, visit CarParts.com slash EverydayDriver for 10% off of $100 or more on select brands. Get the right parts right now at CarParts.com. We've got a great topic Tuesday, guys. First, from Chris R. in the Northeast, who writes to us about buying for investment. Uh-oh. Now, you have heard us discuss how not to buy for investment and that <laughs> it's, it's you not really, really shouldn't. Our thing. <laughs> but we've never really dug into this topic before. We've never true, actually true. taken it seriously. And Chris, I admit, we kind of are a little bit offhand and cavalier about saying, will you buy for investment? Because we kind of mock the whole buy a car, sit on it for 20 years, mm-hmm. whip the wrapper off, and suddenly it's worth how many more dollars Don't rip auction? the wrapper off, by the way. You got to leave those well, seats right. covered. Don't rip anything <laughs> the wrapper off. on. What am I thinking? The car will never drive because it has delivery miles and it's never been driven and everything has rotted and you can't drive it now, exactly. but at least there's plastic on the seats. Well, Good that's news. just it. Let's start off by saying, if you don't drive it, you'll still have to put money into it to make it drivable to get all the things running again and make sure it's drivable, roadworthy, change the oil, change yes. the fluids, replace the tires, please. It's not going to happen. So you might but, as well have yeah. been driving it. The ones that sit will always sit. That's the real tragedy of it. I don't think... They're GNXs or Well, we had, we had our friends... Uh, at Grios. Nick and Richard had, had a, a Lancia that they bought on a whim. It was one of those delivery miles plastic on the seats rally cars, and they bought it on a whim, and they literally got it back to their shop, and they told us, once we got it back here, we all realized we're scared of it <laughs> because they knew they couldn't drive it. Yeah. And, and even, though they, they have a, even though they have a lot of cars, and they try to drive, cycle through all their cars, put a little bit of mileage and everything every year, here was one of these delivery miles plastic on the seats cars, and they realized, we can't drive this. Yeah. So then they turned around and tried to figure out, I think they did, how they could resell it because they suddenly were like, we just bought a brick. Last I checked with them, they did get it in driving condition. They oh, replaced did they? everything. Yeah. Oh, they decided I was to talking to Richard route. about oh, it because wow, okay. he showed me the paint drip under the headlight on the left side that just bugs him like no end. <laughs> and that's an original factory paint drip, so it's got character, Italian it, it, character. It, it means something. That's it got That paint does. drip is worth money. He yeah. found it instantly, and it just bugs him, which is hilarious. That is but, very funny. But yeah, he said it's all good, but of course- well, now I want to drive it. The point is, yeah, <laughs> you got to put money in, of course in, you do. into the car to yeah. get it ready so it doesn't turn to dust when you turn the key the first time. Well, Chris loves Park City. They're an avid snowboarding family. Chris, thanks for writing. He'd love to retire someday soon in Park City. We welcome that. Mm-hmm. He and his son discovered us on YouTube, led, us to the, led them to the podcast. And he says, as someone who drives a lot of miles of tedious highways in the Northeast, it has sparked many discussions whether they agree with us <laughs> or not. I just love that you and your son are talking about it and debating it. That's fantastic. Oh, for sure. That's really, really good. Chris is a 58-year-old father of two boys, the youngest of which is a gearhead chomping at the bit to get his license. That's awesome. Now, Chris grew up wrenching on all sorts of cars. He says a memory-limited list would include multiple Volkswagen Bugs and Squarebacks. He had a 67 MGB his mom backed into with her Suburban a few days after he applied a Union Jack on the hood with a rattle can spray paint. <laughs> that had to look great. I'm sure what that was pristine, idea. Chris. Yeah. A 69 uh-huh. Chevelle, 71 Z28, 80 CJ7, and 87 CRX SI. Hmm. There's a 2006 Saab 95 in there, an 06 Disco. Wow. All right. And they currently drive a 2020 Ford F-150. The minister, we've just shortened it to that. <laughs> it's just minister. But you know what we're jump, talking about. Somebody jumps into the podcast right now. It's like, what are we talking about? No, 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 no. There's a pastor involved? What's going on? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, okay. So the minister drives a 325 XI after giving her Chevy Volt 
to Chris's 18-year-old to take to college. Okay, I like it. They're happy with their current rides, but soon will have room for a weekend fun car. Excellent. Yes. It would also be garaged and only driven for the pleasure of the drive itself. Okay. Okay. A manual would be nice, as well as a convertible top. Would not be a track car, would not be driven in snow or rain. He doesn't plan on wrenching on it. And he has a recent inheritance coming his way and could earmark about $50,000 for his purchase. Interesting. Okay. Wow. Now he knows everyone always says a car is not an investment, but he would really like to get something that would hold or even gain a little in value. Sure you would. Deep sure. waters. Uh-huh. Let's paddle out to the deep waters yeah, this is in our canoe. Fun. Not to make money, but to be able to sell it and then buy something else every couple of years. So you you want to maybe break even. Mm-hmm. And then just trade that in or sell it and get the next thing and kind of keep he that going. He has value that he can roll into something else. That's that's the, the idea. Well, at least when I read that, finally. All of I was us like, want that, Chris. Yes. No, but when I read that, Chris, I was like, okay, you're at least being somewhat realistic. I thought it was like, <laughs> I want to buy a fun car. I want it to gain value so I can. No, you're just Let's wanting bubble wrap to it. roll that money into what's next. Yeah. I see it. Okay. Yeah. So what car would we start this adventure with? But then he says, hang on, even better, what would be the first three cars that we would buy in succession to experience three different rides. Mm, okay. For example, he says maybe a Lotus, Todd, like your Lotus. Yeah. Maybe a C5, Z06, followed by a Z3M. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's got the, the brain working here. He says very different cars, and he feel he wouldn't lose too much money along, along the way on cars sure. like that. So what are our thoughts? And he does caveat this. He says, I'm not trying to make money. He says he would trade his last car for a nice wheelchair if, he, if he's driven all the fun cars, mission accomplished at that point. Yeah. Well, yeah, okay, we, we want to do this until we never can. Absolutely, yeah. Well, so let's dive in here, Chris. I, I do like that you're saying, I want an investment car, but you want it to at least not just plummet in value and drop off mm-hmm. the cliff. Well, to start with, I think good news for sports cars enthusiasts everywhere. Generally speaking, most fairly expensive 50,000 and above kinds of sports cars really aren't going to do that. Most of them. Mm -hmm. There are some that hold their value better than others. And of course it depends on the condition and the mileage and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But my fear is, and I say this to me, I'm working on me continually. Mm -hmm. This is man in the mirror here as we are. Yes. If you don't drive it and you don't put mileage on it and it sits pristine. Okay. The value will hold. Yeah. And what memories could you have had with your family, with mm-hmm. your boys? What memories could you have had doing stuff with this car? And yeah, there's the the little bit of wear is going to make the value go down. Absolutely. You're going to have to add dollars to get mm-hmm. your next thing. But diving in, engine location will dictate your choices. Haggerty is a great place to start when you want to look at valuations. Mm-hmm. Start at haggerty.com mm-hmm. and there's a myriad of articles where they're always focused on, hey, what's the latest valuation car that we think, and they have data to back it up. Yeah. yeah. Recently, it's the Mach 1 from early 70s, Mustang Mach mm-hmm. 1. And they're talking about, look what happened in September of last year and then you know late in the year and then here's where we are right now. They're constantly doing that. So what a great place to start to start getting ideas and then understanding how Haggerty values cars. Because they are the go-to place for most auctions. Speaking of which, you can start looking at the sold cars from various auction houses. But I'm not talking about bring a trailer or cars and bids. I'm talking about Arm Sotheby's, Gooding, Meekum, the big auction houses. Go see what cars sold for. Generally speaking, you can find out, hey, that cool thing, I'm 
you know, I could pretend to have invested in or pretend to have bid on, mm-hmm. you know, look what it went for. Oh my gosh, way more than I thought or way less than I thought. Depends on the auction house. Mm-hmm. But the breadth of years is what makes things difficult. And what I mean by that is buying something new-ish now because you said you don't want to wrench on something, which means newer, maybe warranty, more modern. Mm-hmm. But to get the investment dollars that way out yeah. there, we're talking 25 to 40 years. The stuff that's older is the stuff that's typically going up. Yeah, right, but point. you don't want to wrench on something. True, true. So the stuff that's valuable and expensive right now, by the way, I have noticed in all the car searching that I'm doing because it's, mm-hmm. you know, of course, daily. Constant, yes. <laughs> It's a plague. There are so many amazing cars for sale Mm -hmm. because everybody's jumped in the market thinking they can get top dollar for their cars. So Mm -hmm. all these cars are coming out of the woodwork, the pristine top examples of the whatever, you name it. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my gosh, it's the right year with the right transmission and the, I found. It's all bad. Not that I want one of these cars. Okay. But 1994, 1995, BMW 850CIs oh, yeah. with manual transmissions. There's a glut of them for sale. <laughs> because everybody wanted one and no one wants to own one. Right. That's what's going on. Everybody, we, we all go, oh, those are really cool for someone else. Yeah. What? Uh-huh. Those are available. That's interesting. I don't want one because, <laughs> yikes. But manual V12, I'd. Look over here at that 550 Marinello's. Fascinating, though, doesn't it? Like manual BMW V12 from the, from the era of BMW. Let's buy that. Yes, you've got and your then, choice of color. And then make my Phaeton look like it was affordable and reliable exactly. by comparison. Yeah. Phaetons are on sale. You know F- they are. All yeah. the crazy stuff from the 80s and 90s. There are multiple variations of yeah. everything you yeah. can find. They're all on sale right now because of the car market, because of what the pandemic did to everything. Yeah. Everybody's jumping in with... Uh, funny. You know what? Maybe I'll maybe I'll get top dollar for that thing that's been in my garage that I never mm-hmm. drive. Yeah, yeah. Yikes! I'm finding RS Americas. I mean, holy cow! The if, choice. If right you now. have money, there's tons of options. But the problem yes. is everything is more expensive than it should be. Although I suppose at any time and you know at any point in history. If you have money, there's tons of options for anything. True, true, true. But you're right. right. You're right that everybody's going, I really could sell that car. I mean, I've, I've said it for a few Stop. months now, and it's funny because I feel like we bought our cars. 50 eyes with manuals are on sale. Green and yellow and red. Right about the time I bought my 300ZX, I realized was the perfect time to be selling my 300ZX. Exactly. Because the prices were starting to go up. Although they're still going they're up still from going here. Up. You're, you're still in a sweet Chris, spot. Chris, I'm... I want to jump in here and and mention these things that I want you to kind of keep in mind. And I'm going to use my 300ZX as a reference. Okay, great. I got it for a pretty decent deal. I got it for $24,000 with 73,000 miles on it. It's a 91. I'd say that's smoking deal. It has some paint issues in the front. I've done a little bit of stuff to it. I've done some suspension. I've done some steering stuff. I've put tires and wheels on it. I spent a little bit of money, but by and large, it's the right spec in good running condition. Yeah. Which is exactly why I, that's what I wanted. I wanted one that I could buy and drive. We're doing these four monster road trips. First one drops on YouTube this Thursday, remember, while we're actually on the second road trip. Mm-hmm. Each of these road trips is over 2,000 miles. So just do the math. I'm going to easily put over 10,000 miles on that car in my first year of ownership. Easily. Mm-hmm. I am absolutely aware, and I, a part of me is struggling with this, Chris. The best thing for me to do to that car is having bought it and then sort it, and then not drive it. Bubble wrap it. Yes. And sell it in a year or so and look like, honey, look how much money I made. Yeah. But that's not what we do here. 
Yeah. And so I am aware we are driving these cars. And I, I was looking at my 300ZX yesterday because I was actually washing it yesterday for the trip. Okay. And I was okay. noticing how many more paint dings there are on the nose than there were when I bought it. Now, it, there were some that when sucks. I bought it. It's not like it was pristine when I bought it, and I bought it knowing we were going to drive it. But I, there they are. There, I knew there'd be more. You were also booking through Wyoming on your trip back. Uh, well, yes, but, but, but these are dings that I've noticed <laughs> post our big West Coast trip. Right, right, Okay? Right. So... I, I just lost screws. I lost screws to my headlight covers. <laughs> yes, they were did. flapping in the breeze. It's exciting. The they stuff just that unscrewed themselves. Backs its way out of your car. I remember changing them because I put new headlights in the car <laughs> and I tightened those screws down myself <laughs> and they backed their way They're all the way out. They're injecting themselves from I the car. I put wood screws in these things now. <laughs> just, they are tight and they still might back their way out. It's very funny. But the point I'm making here is, Chris, you're going to buy these things, whatever we recommend. And I don't want to walk through a couple ideas, but you're going to buy these things and in your mind is going to be this thought of I have to get my money back out. You're going you're gonna to buy it and know that from day one based on what you've told us. And I'm very worried that that's going to make you not drive it. Yep. Because yep. you're going to think about, well, but I can't because I got to get my money back out because if I don't get my money back, and then you're going to have a string of cars you barely drove. Okay, maybe they held on to your value, but you barely drove them. You need to, you need to embrace the fact that if you buy one of these, Hopefully, we're making recommendations that hold value decently, but every single one of them, if you drive it, is going to go down some. Some. If, some. if it, if it maintains its value or goes yeah. up, brilliant. I'll give you the example of my Lotus Elise. I bought it because they'd been thirty grand for a decade. No, And you beat that drum, too. And I bought it just like I bought a Lotus Elise. I wanted one for more than a decade. I finally bought one. I bought one for, I think it was thirty-two grand when I bought mine. I bought it almost five years Planning ago Planning on selling it for about 30 Well, whenever if, that If I happened. sell it, whatever. Right. And right. you have no idea the number of people that, that follow this show, and thank you for following the show, that have asked me, you're going to sell it now? Because it's added 50% to its value in the last year can't believe that. All of a sudden. But guess what? It's far more driven now than it was the day I bought it. It's far more beat on now than the day I bought it. There's been track days and road trips, and you've seen the videos. Mm-hmm. But that's, got a, that's worth a lot of money now. So now I'm going, uh, well, that, hmm, wait a minute. Do I have an investment? And then I kind of shake it off. Like, that's not why I bought this car. I'm worried about this for you, Chris, that you will buy something aware of what you're going to sell it for and not drive it because, <gasps> be careful, be careful. We have to send you a certificate or a like a note from your teacher or mm-hmm. something that promises you will drive your car, whatever mm-hmm. you buy. It's fake, of course, but <laughs> you got to get used to driving it and your boys are going to want to drive it and you're going to want to let them drive it without you in the car too. Mm. The other mistake, Good here, luck. Chris, <laughs> is where you said inheritance. You didn't just tell me, well, I've got a budget of $50,000. You also said inheritance. No, yeah. That sound is me rubbing my hands together. <laughs> so let's dive in. I really tried to stay at around $50,000, but $50,000, as great of a price point that is, and as many options are available, those mean new modern cars that you're going to want to drive, that you shouldn't mm-hmm. sell, you know, like a okay. Supra. Sure. Right? Sure. Or a slightly used Cayman or something in there. Very doable. If that's it, then I applaud that choice. Mm-hmm. There's a great number of choices in there. You could even get a GR86 and spend half your budget. Or, well, it loses its value. Who cares? Yeah. But nothing about that $50,000 range is going to go up in value. Mm, okay. You're going to have to spend more if you want mm. it to go up in value. Uh, but possibly. if you spend more, you're going to want to drive it less. Yeah. I've got a couple that may work, but it's but we're still this is still the dilemma. <clears throat> 
the minute I drive it, what, what happened? Exactly right. So like I said, engines, front or front mid, there's Honda S2000s for inexpensive. That is top of my list for convertible. That, that's hanging the, on the car. Value. Yeah. Front mid engine, so much fun. You would have a blast. Your boys would have a blast with that car mm-hmm. and you wouldn't worry about it. But those aren't going up in value, and you're not going to get any money back out of it. I mean, I think they're going to stay where they are. Sure. But okay, but okay. you you Ish. if you put a ton of miles on it, you buy a really nice and put a ton of miles on it. Now it's going down. Of right. course it will. But they, but they're they're kind of locked in, right? But if we went to something maybe two times that budget, okay, Mercedes AMG GT. Yeah, you think those are going to hang on a bit? They may. They may. They may. I'm hoping Mercedes builds a second generation, but that is definitive as mm-hmm. far as styling is concerned. You're, you're tapping into something that I want to speak on here really quickly because the two cars you brought up, I want to contrast them with the 911. Okay. Because right. the key thing about cars holding value, Chris, in this discussion, yes, you can buy a, I bought a supercar and it's one of a hundred, that kind of thing. What is the everyman version of that? Mm-hmm. What is the car that they made some of, but not a ton of, yeah. and they're not making any more? The Honda S2000 is on there. The 911 is not yeah, right. because they've made a ton. Now, the 911 is an anomaly because there's 911 Mafia, and we know that they hang on to value because right. their 911s are air-cooled. And I, really, look, the only rear-engine choice. Watch our 50 Years right. of 911 film. We get it. Right. I totally get it. But my point is, they've made plenty. <laughs> the yeah. S2000s, they made them for a while, and they're done. Yeah. They'll never make more. The the AMG GT, that's what's interesting about it. I wonder if that car is a moment in time car. These will I be the years so. they made it, and now we're done, and it will never happen again. These are the cars that end up hanging on to value. The S2000 is on that list for sure. I have others for you really quickly. The C4 ZR1 Corvette. Oh, that's good. But it's old. It's old. It's 30 years old or it's more. Old, but it will never be done again. I'll give you a newer one, the C6 Z06 with the 7 liter. That's, that's not good. coming back. That's good. The big that block. hangs on there as well. Yeah. Yep. The Elise is on there. The first gen NSX. Yeah. Because for sure. that's never happening again. For sure. That is one that will hang on its value. The first gen, talking Porsche, the Boxster Spider, the 987. That's a great one. Now that's not, I'm above 50 grand. I will acknowledge I'm a, the last two or three choices are above 50 grand. Yeah. Yeah. But that car is, is, that was a moment in time and it's done. Another one in this category, BMW 1M. But almost the last three I've mentioned are all like 65 grand, Chris. That's the issue. But we have that word, the magic word, inheritance. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Okay. We have that magic word to lean on. We do. You're right. But it's got to be that rare stuff that happened for a time and isn't happening again. Exactly right. But if you spend more, you'll reap more. Think about it. If you spend more, like the suggestions that Todd has just named, Mm -hmm. and those are on my list too. Okay. You'll reap more down the road. Like that BMW 1M, that was a not only a moment in time car, but a one-year-only car. Yes, absolutely. And and it is a it is a last great. It, it's BMW un, unofficially doing what Cadillac has just done with the Black Wings. Uh-huh. It's like the last yes. greatest awesome yes. because it's because of the the hydraulic steering and all of the parts they put from other cars. And one year, that is a car that is going to go up. It almost doesn't matter how beat up a 1M you buy. You don't have to get a mid to pristine level 1M. You can go buy one of the cheaper ones, mm-hmm. and it probably will hold. It probably least. won't go up. Probably won't go it'll up. probably stay at the bottom of the market, but, but it'll hang on at the bottom of the For market. For another 15, 20 years, then it'll go up. 
But not Possibly. right now. Your boys are going to have to inherit that car. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Okay. So back to engines. Rear, mid, I'm suggesting Cayman or C8 Corvette. Sure. Cayman at the 50 level, C8 Corvette at twice that level. Sure. Yeah. Eventually, it'll go up, but 25 to 40 years from now. But C8s are one of those, like the 911, they're going to make enough of them that it's going to be the, the ones wrapped in plastic or special editions that will go up. The rest of them will be Corvettes. Agreed. Kind of like the Caymans. Totally you have to agree. get a GT4 Cayman Super Wonder Special because totally. that will hang on because it's super special and wonderful. The, ran- the random Caymans, why we recommend them used, they go down. Why? Because mm-hmm. they made a lot. And just a normal C8 Corvette, like a 2LT, mm-hmm. non-Z06. Yep. That'll be fine to drive, but it's you're going to pay more for the next car. If you choose any yes. of these, you're going to pay right. more for you're the right. next you're car. Right. Okay? So... You could decide by virtue of engine placement, but you said 1M, BMW M2 competition or CS is up there. The CS will go up. That's a special car. The the comp, the the first gen is going to keep going down. Mm -hmm. The comp, uh, the comp's right in the middle and the CS is going to go up. The CS is going to go up. Doesn't matter what you do. Yeah, because it's rare. And we compared that against the Lotus Evora GT. I'm not sure those are going to go up, but I don't think they're going to plummet. I think they'll hang on a bit. I think I think its future depends on what happens with the Amira. It does. I'm, I think they'll go down about ten or fifteen thousand when the Amira shows up. They'll take a hit. Yes, but that's not too bad. It means you can get in it, but then you're going to look over here at the Amira and be like, "Why didn't I order one?" Well, and the Amira is the reason the Lotus has gone up. Uh huh. But exactly. pardon me, my yes. Elise, my Elise has Your gone Elise. up because well, of the Amira. The because stock price of Lotus in general has true, gone up because but, of that car. But because they aren't replacing the Elise anymore with another Elise, and the Amira is a little bit bigger, and it's the last thing you can get. This brings me to a term I am coining right now. Okay. Foe. F-O-E, fear of electrics. This is why stuff is going up. This is why the latest, last gasp, everything, whatever, the Black Wings, the Amira, any announcement that a car maker is saying, this is our last gasoline car, this is our last manual transmission, our last whatever, this is doing two things at the same time. First off, the market's nuts, so beyond that. It's making that car special that somebody wants to have, like a Black Wing Cadillac. Or the Amira that people are... I've, got, I've heard people that have never even uttered the word Lotus going, I'm thinking about getting an Amira. Why? Because they've heard last and greatest. They've yeah. ignored that the Evora existed for the last... They don't even know that that, true. That, that brand is out there and they've been selling an Evora. The fact that I can tell them you could buy an Evora right now, they're like, you could buy a what now? <laughs> That's no idea. You're right. That's funny. But, they, but their name's on the list for an Amira because it's the last gasp, latest and greatest. This fear of electrics is making those cars special, but it's also dragging all the good stuff from the past up like, I better go find a really good gasoline car now. What's the one I always wanted? Foe is real, folks. And I'm going to come back to that term. I like that a lot. I think you're absolutely spot on with that. Okay, so let's spend a little more because inheritance. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Spend a little more. Welcome to the podcast. We're going to because do it for the children, Chris. Think of your boys. (laughs) Come on. Whatever you buy it's going to be in their hands unless you buy at the $50,000 level and you turn them every two years and you and your boys drive them, but you're going to be paying more eventually. You're, or you can buy mm-hmm. one car to rule them all mm-hmm. and they will inherit it. This is the one ring. The 2011-2012 Porsche 987 Cayman R. You'll yep. spend double. Mm-hmm. The yep. Ferrari 360 Modena manual. You'll spend triple. And it'll go up. And it'll go up. That'll I guarantee you. Yeah. A Ferrari 308 or you know? 328 GTS. 328 is better if you can do it. Agreed. Your car is on my list. Your 300ZX twin turbo. Yes mm. to that. 
Also, the first-generation Audi R8 4.2 V8 manual. Mm. That is going nowhere but up. With the gated shifter six-speed, that is the spec you want on that car. Yep. 2011 Porsche 911 GT2 RSs and GT3 RSs and GT3s are holding. The Porsche GT cars will will probably go up. Right. With the Metzger engine and the 2008 911 GT3 in that green or orange. Those are Mm. going up in value. Mm. So you could get in. It's it's like an escalator. <laughs> Just get on somewhere and ride it up. Hopefully. But but then drive it. And the problem is when we're talking about a lot of these, I mean, your list is a great example. Talking about a lot of these that we think are going to hold or go up, they're above your budget. Exactly. I All mean, right. It really is like the S2000 and those vets that are in your budget. Well, let's solve it then. For the single car investment choice, you want something that has a decent following with parts and expertise available. Yeah. Porsches and Ferraris hold their value. And I don't expect anything to change so you should buy the first generation Acura NSX oh okay well there right? you go I had it on my list I, th- I'm glad that we that's settled that's the car that, that, that is that is, that is the car you're probably still not going to spend 50 for the one you want it's probably you're gonna not be 65, you're going to spend 70, 80 two thirds uh, yeah. on top of that 50 yeah. but we have an inheritance to spend yeah and then that car will continue to go up in value mm-hmm. and it's going to run it isn't the car you have to wrench on your that's the thing buy the one that runs exactly. you will love it it will keep because running. he said it will scroll, hang scroll. on to value he doesn't want to wrench on it nope and he wants a convertible but that has a target top exactly right i well NSX. done i do think you're on onto something there for sure i want to remind you guys of drive share from our friends at haggerty DriveShare is a car-sharing community that connects renters with the owners of cool cars. We're talking vehicles that elevate any occasion like a wedding or a special celebration or even a vacation. Or you can just enjoy a dream ride, a car you've always wanted to drive. That's why I put my Lotus Elise on DriveShare, and many people have loved driving it. List your car to earn some extra money knowing you're covered by exceptional insurance and roadside service. Owners and renters can both rest easy and enjoy the ride. Visit driveshare.com or download the app to rent or list a ride today. Stephen writes in from West Texas. He is a single father of one with shared custody, and he is looking for what is next. Stephen currently has a Jeep Gladiator Rubicon, which he treats as his prized possession. He is eyeballing a 2022 Honda Civic EX as a commuter car. But he says, mind you, he's a police officer and has to take a, has a take-home unit, but when he works, he travels 60 miles round trip to drop off his child at his parents' house about three times a week. The commute is flat highway. Isn't all the commute flat highway in West Texas? Well, but this is the key thing. He, I want to rewind here and, and remind us all that Stephen has a Jeep Gladiator Rubicon. Rubicon. That gets terrible gas mileage, and he uh, loves it, and its purpose is commuting on a flat highway. Which is exactly what that Rubicon, uh, they're cool. That is where they do not shine. <laughs> That's what it doesn't That, that do. is like, I took my Lotus Elise off-roading. It is the equivalent of that. <laughs> I went down a fire road in my Elise. I'm going to take my Gladiator on a flat freeway in Texas. This is what we're doing. You love it, but the gas mileage is abhorrent, and so you're going, I really need something else to do this commute. Well, he wants it to be fun as well. He tried springing for a Civic Si, but apparently he ran into the market adjustment price. Couldn't stomach paying over $30,000 for a Civic. Mm. Yeah, we can't either, but that's ridiculous. He says, what help, opinions, options, and suggestions could we give him? Mm -hmm. Because he loves his Gladiator. He can personalize it. But then... That's where the gladiator talk stops. Yes, it's true. Did you notice this? Well, there's a turn here, yep. Because then he says, well, eventually, I'd like to get my dream car, which at the moment, he's leaning towards a Corvette, but holding off to see how this electric vehicles era plays out. It's not an era. It's coming. As you coined, FOE. FOE is happening, yep. 
Now, he admits West Texas has no fun, no twisties. Mm-hmm. Is he doing this right? <laughs> He's got his truck, the Texas truck issue. <laughs> and a truck is always needed, is it? But he wants a fuel-efficient car, but he also wants a sports car. And lastly, he owns a Honda CBR1000RR. Okay. There's a little bit of speed in that bike. There's a lot of speed. There, there will be there will be no sports car you will buy. <laughs> you want to drag that your will elbow. have that sensation of speed. Grab the CBR. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's dive in here. I decided to look up Stephen the opposite of a gladiator, and according to Merriam-Webster, <laughs> antonyms include unwarlike, amicable, pleasant, <laughs> sociable. I, I did not expect that. that <laughs> I know you didn't. You're there, you're there with the exact. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> Relaxed. Uh huh. And I thought, all right, if the Gladiator is staying, if you love it that much, yeah. and it's staying, we can't talk you out of selling it, which I'm sure you hear us doing because mm-hmm. I think you should sell it. Well, you're not driving it. You're driving your take-home car, mm-hmm. and you need a commuter. When I, I didn't see anywhere in the email where you took your Gladiator out to do That was my blank. question. Yes, that was my question. It's not like I have the, the Gladiator Rubicon, which I love, and I take it to do this, or I off-road it here, or I love mudding, or I go to once a year to Moab. There's none of that. None in that. So it just maybe it exists. Maybe it exists. Exactly. That's the unknown thing here, Stephen, is because maybe that's going on. But the suggestion you've made to us is just you have it. It's cool. It's a terrible commuter. What do you use it for? Commuting. So we have to find a vehicle that Mm -hmm. is unwarlike. Yes, we do. It is pleasant. (laughs) This is good. I hadn't. I hadn't gone. Sociable. It's good. Okay. All right. All right. I got. I've got a few here. I've got new options, used options, and wildcard options for Stephen. All my uh, options here are well. They're mostly used. But let's dive in with the Mazda Six. Decent, good commuter, fun Mm -hmm. to drive. Yep. But the Mazda Three Turbo is also kind of fun to drive. That's on my near list, my new list, because the Mazda Three Turbo would be very surprising. We're extrapolating your budget here about $30,000 or so because you didn't want to pay that for a Civic. But what if you pay that kind of money for a Veloster N? Yeah. Buzzy, fun, 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 yeah. commute-ish. Mm-hmm. You'd look for excuses to drive that car. Yeah. But if we're just talking purely commute and you do keep the Gladiator mm-hmm. because, oh, the fun we could have, you realize if you sell the Gladiator right now, you, you're almost to a Corvette. And he would, you would probably make money now, like right now. There's no waiting. There's mm-hmm. no like, ah, I can't wait till in the future. It's now. Yeah. Sell that Gladiator Rubicon, and you could probably buy a Corvette. Probably. In addition to some lesser priced commuter car like a Chevy Volt. I have that on my list. That's a very good one. Or a Honda Fit. Uh, uh, Honda okay. Fits are very unwarlike. <laughs> are they lots not? Of, lots of stuff fits. They are not a warrior. This is true. Yes. Or a Honda CRZ. I, that was the top of my list. Is it in really? Years. Well done, I, Stephen, Stephen. We don't consult mm, before we we not jump in and with our ideas. But if you sold that Gladiator and you're not launching it 200 feet off a cliff or mm-hmm. over a sand dune, yes, you could have a Corvette now and a Honda Fit or a Honda CRZ. Mm-hmm. The Honda CRZ. Here's the great thing I love about that one. Nobody sees that car coming. That's like the, the forgotten car. Nobody get, sees that car coming. That gets 40 plus miles to the gallon, but you can get it with a six speed. And it's a Honda, which means it's just going to run. It's you and your son using this as a commute car exactly. on long, straight Texas roads. So you have the fun of small package, 
Yes. Good Honda running gear and a great Honda six-speed. He's a you Honda get, guy. He's yeah. got a CBR. You, you get up you get up to speed, and it'll just be the perfect commuter, but it isn't. I mean, I like the Volt. It was on my list, too. I like the Volt. The Volt is a bland commuter car. Yes. yes. It's the Chevy version of the Prius. I like it better than the Prius, but it's the Chevy version of the Prius. Yep. Yep. You could put a Prius in here, but now we're buying bland cars. You've asked for a little bit of fun. The CRZ, I think, brings the fun. And it's cheap. They're inexpensive. Still, they're inexpensive. They are inexpensive. I think the CRZ is great. The other one I had on my used list was a Fiat 500 Abarth. They That's get over great. 30 miles to the gallon. That's great. They have a lot of personality. They're a little snorty little baby dragon. Okay, that watch our original great. Fiat 500 piece. That that uh, Honestly, that car is very fun, but I think it has enough personality you might enjoy it on your commute, even though I think... I think the CRZ is the play. That's the winner right there. And then sell the Gladiator because it sits. I'm seeing, mm-hmm. I'm just seeing the car sits and you know in your heart that you've got it at home. And when do you take it out? I agree. I wonder about that too. I have two wild cards. One is you should look at the MX-5. You're probably not going to look at the MX-5. You're a Gladiator <laughs> driver in Texas. My guess is the fact that I've recommended a Miata <laughs> right. is probably right out. But probably not great fun, very cheap, fantastic gas mileage. Yeah. But the other problem I have with the MX-5, honestly, is because your dream car is a Corvette. And what is the antithesis of a Corvette? The Miata. These are the track battlers. It's You're a Corvette guy or you're a Miata guy on track. Which brings me to this. Why not get a Corvette and commute in that? You're not going hundreds of miles. Well, you're going, that's an interesting idea. You're going idea. in Texas. And here's the thing I, that we forget until we drive a Corvette again. And I'm going to recommend to you the C6 generation, two generations back, in GS form, hmm. Grand Sport form. You're probably going to spend around thirty grand to get one. But you know what's going on with that car? Two things that I think are going to help you, Stephen. One, the hatch is enormous. Hmm. You and your son and all of his stuff for a week at the grandparents could fit in that C6. I know they could. And the second thing is Chevy's done this for a while, kind of subversively. A lot of people don't realize this. You take a big Corvette, you get it up to speed on a Texas highway, and you put it in the sixth gear, and you know what it does? Almost 30 miles to the gallon. You put it in cruise control well, that's a great in your idea. big Corvette, and you just let it sit there and sip gas in spite of the fact that it is a monster. I think you just get the Corvette. I mean, I like the CRZ. I like our other ideas, but I think get the Corvette and commute in that and enjoy. I've actually found your Corvette, Stephen. It's at Plaza Motors AZ in Tempe, Arizona, not too far. Well, I guess you're in Texas, so it's a long way. But nevertheless, <laughs> it is a 2019 Grand Sport with 2LT. It is a manual. Unfortunately, it is white. They're asking $76,900. You sell that Gladiator Rubicon, I bet you could get in this immediately. What, is, that, is that a C6? There it is, C7. C7, I was going to say 2019 is not 2019. C6. That's even better. Yep. The uh, black it, one better. above it better, is better, an better. automatic. That's a Grand Sport for $67,000. I was talking C6. You're into C7 Grand yeah, Sport, which is a much better call. Yeah. Much better call. For 76 you, you could afford that if you could get rid of the Gladiator, yep. and then you're actually in a Corvette. And, and now you have... Down you to have, one car. You have a seventh gear. Yeah. That has, that has a sip gas gear. You're, you can lope along. Mm-hmm. The engine's barely turning over. It's like raising a crusty eyebrow at you. Like, are we going to go fast at it's some point? It's just a step above idle. It is. Do it 80. Yeah. Shoot. There's even a 2020 1LT, that Zeus bronze metallic. It's like nutmeg no. on top of your phone no. on your latte. Stop. But they're asking 94. It's under 100 grand if you want a C8. <laughs> yeah, but still, it's the brown one. It's the brown one. I'm sorry, but, but still, it's the brown nobody one. Nobody wants it, but then maybe you do. Oh. And you're Stephen. colored your your dream <laughs> car is a Corvette. 
That's it. I know. I, we're giving you permission. We're, we're, we need to print out the standard everyday driver permission slip. Yes, so we, we have do. them handy because people need them. Stephen needs one. Well, we you need, need to take it to your Chris. minister. You need to take it to your family. Yes. You, need, you just need it. Chris needs one yes. to, to drive his investment car. Stephen needs one so he can actually buy a Corvette and commute in that. Mm. Permission slips are coming. I don't know what those look like. We've got to get that designed. Our friends at Griot's Garage have got a new line of ceramic products to make your car care easier and more satisfying than ever. Start with the new Ceramic Wash and Coat, an ultra-slick formula that can be used with either the bucket wash method, which I like, or a foaming sprayer, which I also like, or a cannon, which I also like. We actually take Griot's Speed Shine with us on every single shoot. It's the ultimate for quick detailing, and it now has ceramic protection as well. Ceramic Speed Shine maintains a slippery gloss finish in between your main washing and protection days. And they even have ceramic trim wipes for long-lasting protection on plastic trim. Try any of these products or use them as your new wash routine. They are 100% guaranteed and all their liquid products are made in the USA. Don't forget to use the code EDRIVER when you order at griotsgarage.com. Our audience gets 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Jumping into social media questions. Thank you for all your questions. These are great. TK Hockey 510 asks me about silicon caulking. Found some around the third brake light on his car. What is the best way to get the residue off the paint without scratching it? Mm. I really hate to say this, but your best, best option is your thumbnail, your fingernails, because they won't scratch, and okay. you can very delicately take care of it. But the second best option, if you go to an art store, there's maquette modeling tools that you model clay with. Wow, okay. They're made out of wood, but they're very smooth, so there's not a lot of splinters, and they're very sanded mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. Don't use any plastic scraper of any kind, but these modeling tools made for pushing clay around when you're creating your bust of Nero or Caesar or whatever you're doing. <laughs> like you do. I mean, Italian sculpture is easy. Like all you, you do, do is knock just... off all the stuff that doesn't look like what you want to make. Perfect, done. So you get one of these wooden tools, and they're they're slender. There's all kinds of different shapes for pushing and and molding clay. They can be very sharp. They can be very spoon like. But they have a, a blunt edge. It's kind of strange. It's it's an edge, but it's made out of wood. But mm-hmm. it's sort of blunt, yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. not going to scratch. Huh. But it might be just enough. So you want to go to an art store, ask for their clay modeling tools. No plastic, wood only. I have I have known Paul a long time. We've done this show a long time. This is our fifteenth anniversary of the show, by the by the year. This year is our fifteenth year doing I the can't show. Believe that. And you know what happens on this podcast a lot? I learn stuff. <laughs> I, I don't even I didn't even know this existed. I just learned stuff. Art yeah. store. Okay. And, and no All plastic. Right. Don't don't use a scraper, like a paint scraper or a you know, yeah, no plastic whatsoever. DR Miller is asking about our West Coast piece and upcoming pieces, but specifically the West Coast post West Coast piece, he's saying, what was our camera car for the mm. West Coast piece? If you look around, you'll see it in the piece because it winds up on our uh, front glass cameras a couple of times. We rented a simply fantastic Chrysler Pacifica minivan, which was perfect. I'm positive that had a CVT in it. It was terrible. It was terrible. And it had a lot of money. It, it was, it it was, was like explicitly the minivan terrible. at the back of the lot that we're pretty sure just did trips back and forth up the coast. Yeah. Because we rented it in San Francisco and drove it to Seattle and promptly dumped it. We dumped it where we were supposed to, but we promptly dumped it. But it was perfect as the gear and camera vehicle to hang out with us as we drove our old cars up the coast. Revs Up has a very great question about our track driving. He says, guys, as your track driving skills improve, do we feel that our consumable costs go down? Mm, okay. As an example, he braked soon enough so he didn't plow through the one corner pushing like crazy. 
If he drives the correct line, is it less hard on your cars? As a matter of fact, I think the consumable costs have gone up. They've gone the other way as we've gotten better at track driving because we know we can brake later, which uses the brakes a lot more. Mm-hmm. You're harder on the brakes, diving deeper, waiting later, which means you're not gently rolling onto the brakes. Track driving is exactly the opposite of street driving. <laughs> you're not rolling onto the brakes yeah. and then letting off. You're waiting until you know this is your last braking point, and then you bury it. Your track driving instructor, when he says, he or she says, use the brakes, they mean all of the brakes. Find it all. They don't mean some of it. They mm-hmm. don't mean a little bit of pedal travel. They mean all. All of it. Unless they the tell you floor. otherwise. If it's the braking at the end of the straight, guess how much braking you used. Exactly. All of it. That is the, in, that is the implied term. Mm-hmm. When I tell you to brake, all of the brakes, <laughs> not some. So your headspace changes. And when you use all the brakes on every corner, your costs go up. That means your tire usage, your tire wear goes up too. We don't know what kind of car you're driving. True. But I have certainly found on the Cayman, as I get better i know what the car can do handle into a corner my consumables have gone up now as i have continued to progress and i'm making the car dance a little bit i'm off the brakes and i'm a little sideways Mm -hmm. going through the corner which means my costs have gone down but at (laughs) no point when you're track driving should you ever think oh that corner was about 20 bucks (laughs) Because every quarter adds up pretty quick. Do not do this to That's yourself. Funny, yeah. That's very funny. Focus on your line. Focus on good corner entry, apex, and corner exit. Listen to what your instructors tell you. Mm-hmm. And you have to put that aside at some point. And this is the wonderful and horrible part about track driving. The more you discover, the better you get. Mm-hmm. You're going to roast your tires. They're not going to last as long as you thought. And, oh, look, your brake pads are done. Yeah, You might yeah. have... Cook the rotors too. So, gosh darn it, I'm going to have to get new, but man, was that fun. Totally. Revs up. I, I agree with this. I think there's actually two waves on this because I, I, where Paul is, I think, is ultimately where we all wind up, and that is we are blowing through consumables on our cars. But when you start, I think like t- track day one, mm-hmm. you're going to consume far less than you thought. For sure. Yeah. Because you didn't get on the brakes nearly hard enough. You didn't, ha- you didn't corner nearly as well as you can. Mm-hmm. First track day or two, you're going to not be beating on stuff as much as you expect. And then what's going to happen is you're not very good, but you're starting to go faster. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to be using a little more of the brakes and a lot more of the tires because to your point revs up, you're, you're not on the line right and you're correcting a lot and you're hitting things weirdly and so you're tearing on your tires because you're sawing at the wheel too much. Sure, I can see that. Sure, This is a peak in your consumables. And then I do think it dies down a bit because now you haven't gotten much faster, but you've gotten smoother. Okay, and so you're fair. not tearing on your tires as fair. much. But then there's the next level you blow through that Paul's talking about, that now that you've gotten smooth, you start getting faster again, and you use the brakes much later in the corner, yeah. much harder. Yeah. And now your speed in the corner has gone up 20, 30, 40, 50%, yeah. and that tears on your tires. So when you get good again, you get, <laughs> past, you get past your idiot moments. You rise up as an idiot, and you become a fast idiot. The fast idiot is consuming things quickly. Then the idiot calms down, and I think the consumables will come down with you. And then you become aggressive and focused, and you know more, and then the consumables go up again. You're catching people, but the brakes and the tires, it's all done. But see, when you have people ahead of you, 
the dollar value will go right out the window. You have no idea. You will say, it's I irrelevant. can justify that. I'll put yep. it on a credit card and ignore it for the I rest of time. Tires later. I have to gun them down. I have to pass <laughs> you, and you'll use more. More track discussion. Uh, YM Shulman asks, why does downshifting around a corner give you more control, even without a change of speed? Uh, what you're feeling is not necessarily that. The reason you downshift for a corner, you're coming down a straight, and this can be a straight on your favorite back road, or it can be a straight on a track. You downshift because you want to be in the optimal gear to have acceleration on the backside of the corner. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. What happens, the reason you feel like you're in more control is because you've gone to the optimum RPM power band of the car. If you stay in the high gear in the corner, the car is going to feel a little loose and sluggish because you're not in the place where it has the most power to rocket you out of the corner. Mm-hmm. So what's allowing you to have control in the corner is the fact that you, I hate to say this, slow down enough for said corner. <laughs> if you didn't slow yeah, down, you would yeah. not feel like you had more control in that corner. You slow down and you downshift so you put the car in its optimum setting to exit, and that's what you're feeling. I think there's another component here, and that is when you're downshifting, you're squatting the suspension a little bit mm. because it's far easier. You're, so let's say you're in upper gears and you roll on and off the throttle, mm-hmm. the car isn't going to respond by nose diving or, or you know, accelerating. Sure. It's not going to re- respond. But when you're in a lower gear, you can make the car more quickly either submarine totally. or you know, accelerate and put the weight on the back wheels mm-hmm. very quickly. So you're downshifting, and suddenly the car feels a little bit more hunkered down. You've compressed that suspension a little bit. It's the same in when you're taking a motorcycle riding class, and they tell you, to roll onto the throttle through a corner. When you're leaned over, not only will you feel more control in that corner, it'll stand you up at the corner exit. Mm. And so you've got power going through it. You're not in top gear. You're in a mid-range gear, appropriate for the corner, as Todd said, but it makes it hunker down. It's squat on its suspension. It's ready to do something more quickly, change direction, accelerate, brake, whatever you're ready for. What's next? It's, It's ready for it. Damn it, Patton on Instagram says he's browsing cars and bids. First mistake. Anyway, sorry. He found a 2020 uh, GT350, so the Mustang that we all like, okay? He found it, and the owner mentions in the comments pretty much proudly that he's never taken the car past 5,000 RPM. Now, if memory serves, that's the one that redlines at 8,500, and all of the fun is above 5,000. It has that big Chewbacca gargling growl about it. It sounds amazing, and you need to rev that engine out to really enjoy it. The owner has said he's never taken it past 5,000 RPM, and the mileage is under 5,000 total. Oh, my gosh. Damn it, Patton is asking, (laughs) how do we save this person? He's saying, how do you get through to somebody that is this precious with a car to drive their car? Um, This relates to where we were with Chris at the beginning, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to say this. This person didn't buy the car to drive it. This person bought the car to sell it. Yep. Yep. 2020 GT350, they bought it to sell it. Maybe it was their dream Mustang. Maybe they're a big Mustang fan. I don't know their history. I'm not seeing the listing in front of me. But I 100% believe that this person bought it already eyeing that they were going to sell it. They're not surprised by selling it all of a sudden. They thought, I'm going to buy it, I'm going to wait till they don't make them anymore, and then I'm going to sell it. That's why it has never been driven over 5,000 RPMs and has less than 5,000 miles on it. This person 
didn't buy what the headspace were trying to instill in Chris. There was no everyday driver permission slip, <laughs> and they're <laughs> probably gonna, they're probably going to get a lot of money for this car. Yeah. But they but I'll say this: they actually haven't experienced it. They owned it. They were its caretaker, and they never actually experienced this car. And I am sad for them. Is that the fountain of youth? No, they're the waters of preciousness. <laughs> do not swirl the waters. Don't do that. Don't you dare. You only stir it with your Benroni. Anyway. <laughs> right. Kevin B. on Facebook saw Mitsubishi ad the other day for some new SUV. They used Thunderstruck by ACDC in the ad as theme music. Uh-oh. How much do you suppose that cost him to license it? I don't think ACDC is crazy, but I'm sure they they're were happy there. to take the check. I'm sure they did. Yeah. He finds this wrong in so many areas. What As was the marketing I. team thinking? They're thinking if it connects you to that time in your life when you were carefree and nothing mattered and you, had, you were having a good time, your 20s, let's say, mm-hmm. and you end up buying the car, their job is done. Yeah, all they wanted you to do is Therefore, buy. worth the licensing fee. I haven't seen this commercial, but knowing Mitsubishi's current lineup, it's probably an SUV. It might even be the Eclipse Cross. It's probably that. It's a desperate attempt to make you feel like this is an exciting SUV, and I feel confident that it is not. Well, ACDC connects directly to your emotional heartstrings, which are connected to your MasterCard and Visa. That's where it goes. Because Mm -hmm. whether you're on a cruise ship and that song comes on, you're going to drink more, or whether you're on a... (laughs) Right? Or you see a Mitsubishi ad, you're going to be like, yeah! You're picturing Iron Man jumping out of the back of the plane. Totally. It's, it's all that, that for sure, yeah. <laughs> like, I want to feel that. Uh-huh, I'm going to buy that. Not in that car. <laughs> Michael Witzel says, in our view, what is the minimum time? These all relate. I love it. What's the minimum time or mileage one should own a car you love to really know it? First off, you must go drive it. I'm going to say six to seven, six to 10,000 miles in the first year. Mm. I, it's not definitive. I realize mm. life exists. Sure, I understand. Sure. But I think, I think you have to have a car at least a year. And I think you have to put six to 10,000 miles on it. Now, I'll flip that around. If you bought it, had it six months, but you put 10,000 miles on it in six months, you did a couple of big road trips, you definitely know that car. But mileage breeds comfort and knowing a car. That's the thing I'm finding fascinating about our, our cars of the past that we're taking on these big road trips. We both know them. And then we get on these road trips, we're like, wow, am I learning stuff. <laughs> so I also think that if you have a car you really love, you should take it on an adventure. Don't just drive it around the places that you go to date night and get some groceries and I take it on my one back road, take it somewhere special. I'm not necessarily even saying big road trip. I'm just saying take it somewhere special. That could be a track day. That could be autocross. That could be, I've always wanted to do this road trip. Let's do it in this car. I think you have to connect an event and a fun special experience with that car you have that's fun and you will, you will know it fully. Michael Garrett on Facebook has asked us probably the hardest track daily crush I have ever come across. Oh, wow. Okay. Eagle Speedster. Okay. Gordon Murray Automotive T50. Wow. All right. And a Radford Lotus Type 62-2. I can do this one. I can do this one. I'm astonished. You can do this. I can do this. You can crush one of these cars. I, I, I don't like it. How dare you? I don't like it, but I would crush the Radford. Would you? I would. I would crush the Radford because... It remains undriven. Is that why? Well, but also because I think that T-50, is a, it's, a, it's a space shot rocket ship. I want that. I, I'm sure the Radford, totally. would, Radford is brilliant to drive, but no doubt, no, no doubt in my mind. But I also know that driving-wise, I will never extract the best out of that car. Okay. I'm not that guy. Okay. All right. I would, mm, I would track the T-50 
even though I would also love the daily, the T50. Yeah. I would track the T50 because I think it's going to be amazing all the time. And you can take two buddies with you and you can have an amazing day at the track and talk about consumables. But I want a daily, that Eagle Speedster. I will take yeah, that. Yeah, no, you would. <laughs> I will take, that'll be one of those cars. I had this experience last I night. I can wear that. My, my parents were coming over and our ice machine broke and my wife said, I need you to go to the corner and get ice. And it's literally like, it's like a quarter mile. I would take the Speedster to just get ice. I would just, <laughs> I don't, the dog walked outside the end of the drive. I'll take the Speedster. I'll go get go it. I'll just go get the, the dog. dog. You know what? The, the mail's got, somebody's got to grab the mail. I'll take the Speedster. That's fine. Road trip, speedster. The engine will not get warm. Don't care. Getting t- Don't care. Speedster. That's up there. Done. See, the Radford I like because it's so unique. It's very cool. Because you're not going to see yourself coming and going like you would in a Gordon Murray. Like, oh, there's the other guy in town. <laughs> I'm spraying Don't water across water. the studio because I am envisioning... Any of these three cars, you'd never see another one. You are the only one every time you go somewhere. You know, you know the grocery store parking lot is littered with T fifties. The the nine eleven singers. What are you people buying? Nine eleven singers are Camrys compared to these three cars. <laughs> yes, you could be. You could actually go to a Cars and Coffee and see more than one Porsche <laughs> Singer. You will never even see one of these three, That's let alone good. more than one. The only time there's been more than one Speedster T fifty or Radford is where they make them. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I I would do the same thing, but I have to acknowledge that Radford intrigues mm-hmm. the daylights out of me. I am all about it. Styling, it channels the 60s it's without awesome. being it's really cool. Two 60s, it's mm-hmm. modern. Uh, that's that's a really good one, Michael. Well done. Real quick, I want to give a shout out to Brandon Flanagan who wrote in on Facebook and said he didn't have a question, but he's been a listener for about six years and we have helped him find fun cars and he just got inspired by our YouTube video, which is actually becoming our fastest growing YouTube video. The $8,000 cars is up at like over 700,000 views. It'll probably Fantastic. be our fastest video ever to a million. And that thank is you thanks guys. to you guys. Thank you very much. He watched that and he was like, huh, I wonder if this is still possible. And he dug in. You have to dig in, Brandon. You can't just, these cars aren't going to appear. You got to really drill down. He found, he sent us a photo. He found with a $7,000 budget, somebody's wonderfully prepped first-gen Miata. He sent us a picture. You're going to think a $7,000 first-gen Miata in this market is trashed. This is gorgeous. Great shape, tasteful mods. It looks really pretty. It took some patience. He had to do a train ride from Oregon to Washington State, Mm. but he bought it. He drove it home. He is ecstatic, and he didn't even think this way until he saw our cheap sports car comparison and went, I wonder. So congrats, Brandon. That's really cool. And the picture's gorgeous. For sure. That's amazing. I'll leave you with this from Hayden Hale. What is the most mechanically satisfying car you've ever driven? Ever. Mm. <sighs> mechanically satisfying would have to be that uh, that Griot's 914 with the 930 engine in it. Oh, sure. I can see that. Well, if you're going to go there, then I have to say his gonna, almost Eagle Speedster. Eagle Speedster, yeah. yeah. His, his E-Type. I mean, my, so my Lotus satisfying. is up there, but the mm, that E-Type was yummy. It was just yummy. Yeah. We will leave you with that. Reminder for Cars of the Past, the very first Four Points Road Trip Mm -hmm. is on our main Everyday Driver YouTube channel on Thursday. So check that out. Please share that. We hope you enjoy. And please leave comments. We're really curious to hear what you think because this is not just a road trip, but there's a bit of drama involved too. So Mm -hmm. there's there's a story behind it. Yeah, for sure. Hope you enjoy that. But we're looking forward to next time. Cheers, everybody.